Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week, I'm going to give you something new that's happening in our photographic world, just some great conversations with my friends, and what's going on right now. Something New Every Week is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. And they're just a great company. If you don't know them, go check them out, millerslab.com. Something new every week, this week, with my good friend Scott Detweiler, who is uh, a Wisconsin-based photographer, Uh, and I've gotten through this intro without, number one, butchering your name, and number two, (laughs) (laughs) the location, I got your location, which for, I think, maybe the first 35 episodes, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how bad it is. So anyway, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. No, thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing me to to walk in here and uh, chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to have you on the show for a while, and and I'm glad that we're doing it today. And I'm glad that you're uh, around the 70th episode because I uh, I uh, I'm, I think I'm becoming a better host. I got your name right <laughs> and your location right, so we're we're doing two things right. But Scott, you've been a, a photographer for for many years. Uh, how many, How long has it been? That's got to be at least 10, 15 years. Yeah, I started in 2007, so um, okay. right around there. Okay. And for those of you who don't know Scott, Scott uh, is an incredible photographer, and his his art, it's really art, and he is it's an incredible Photoshop, Capture One guru, compositing guru. The work that he does is, is the, the portraits that he does are absolutely beautiful. And one of the things that I love about you is that you teach a lot of what you do and there's no secrets with you, and you share so much and help to educate our industry. So thank you for that, number one. And number two, um, just you know, give us a for those who don't know you. Let's give me the brief bio on you and and, and the kind of work that you do. Mm, sure, All right. and I, thank you for the uh, the wonderful intro there. <laughs> it's a uh, uh, my my father-in-law has a he's a, a contractor and has been for like eighty years or whatever. And uh, he owns a hammer, and I own a hammer. And if I try and build a house and he tries to build a house, one's going to look a lot different than the other one. So I, a long time ago, I thought, you know, I don't mind teaching what I know because we will all have cameras and we all interpret it differently. Uh, so it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't feel like I have to hold back because if we both have the same hammer, we're both going to make completely different things. Uh, yeah, so I, I came from a physics background. So I was a, a physicist. And I worked for the uh, Kuwait government, actually. I worked on uh, top-secret air bases uh, huh. during Desert Storm. And I did some photography and illustration, so I did a lot of rendering as well. Uh, the illustrator died uh, during the war. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, uh, okay. Yeah, I got forced into that area and uh, did a lot of uh, rendering. And then a little more photography got involved with that. And it kind of became a thing that I thought, hey, I might want to pursue that at some point. And so after working in the software industry for – a good solid decade, I decided, hey, you know, I'm finally going to pick up a, a hobby that maybe I want to do something a little more serious with. And it was torn between a drum kit, actually, and a camera. My, my wife gave me a $2,000 budget and said, you pick one. So I went and looked at a bunch of drums, and I went and looked at cameras, and I ended up with a Nikon D80, and that was the the start of this whole thing. Wow. That is and, – and again, it's one of the reasons I love this podcast so much is because I would never – 
I would never know that. <laughs> I would never know that about you. <laughs> We've hung out in crowds at bars and different functions over the years. And I, I never would have known that part of your history. And I also find it very interesting that many people in our community have, uh, especially on the Photoshop and, and post-processing, compositing, all that, generally come from a, a technical background like yourself. And that that's super interesting that from a physics background into photography, uh, one of the reasons why you're probably such a great teacher because you have to break things down and explain things and, and put it into into chunks that are digestible. Well, I'm, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, though. There's some people who are like, wow, you know, you belabored that whole explanation <laughs> of exposure so much that, you know, I, I took a serious nap during that. And, but, you know, but to me, it's, you know, understanding how things work is important because if you're going to try and abuse the system, you know, to push it as far as you can, you kind of got to know what the limit is. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, when I teach, I'm fairly technical and uh, I, I don't know. I enjoy that aspect of it. So that's, I think some people like that part of my teaching uh-huh. and some people are annoyed by it, but you know, it's not everyone, you're not going to please everybody all the time. So you, you please those you can. Yeah. And you, you have a very successful YouTube channel that, uh, you know, I know a lot of my friends have learned from you and it's one of those, you know, there's so much information on YouTube and there's so much, uh, education that you can get now but there are very few people who, you know, once you get into the down and dirty of compositing and Photoshop and Capture One, advanced education, there isn't a lot of it out there. And it, it was always, for my days at WPPI, it was always a challenge for me to not only build an audience that had some advanced education, but to find the audience that actually wants that advanced education mm-hmm. was another thing too, because it's a much larger pool to draw from. So speaking yeah, of advanced yeah. education, I was going through your Facebook page today and I noticed that you uh, were speaking a little bit about NFTs and uh, which stands for not it. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's non-fungible tokens, right? Did I pronounce mm-hmm. it right? Yep. Yep. Correct. Non-fungible tokens. And if you're one of those people who has dabbled in uh, Bitcoin and stocks and investing recently, uh, NFTs just kind of fit into that. And there, there's there been a lot of talk about it, but um, I definitely want to learn a little bit more about that from you. And let's just start off with, you know, what an NFT is and, you know, kind of go from there. Sure. Uh, I did write an article in the, well, it's actually not last month because this is the new month, uh, on NFTs for Shutter Magazine. Yeah. So there is a, it's a good 100 and, or 1500 word article, but, you know, that's a big topic and there's a lot of, again, technical fun to be had uh-huh. uh, for those who, who choose. Uh, so basically think of a, of a, a non-fungible thing is something that can't be exchanged for something else. Uh, think of it like um, we both have quarters. And if I were to say to you, hey, I'll give you my quarter and you give me your quarter, you would have absolutely no problem with that because they're both quarters. <laughs> uh, but if my quarter has like a weird little minting mark on it or some other thing that a coin collector would be like, oh, my God, that is a one of a kind. That is a unicorn quarter and it's worth so much money. It's irreplaceable. It's one of a kind. My quarter is no longer fungible. I cannot trade it to you for another quarter because it's not really the same thing. It is unique, uh, although it's still a quarter. 
the right. idea behind an NFT is to create a. This is it. It sounds completely ludicrous on its face. <laughs> I'm going to create a JPEG or a GIF or a sound file or a movie clip or a tweet or anything else that is electronic in origin. I'm going to create one that is that is knighted or blessed to be the original or the non-fungible version. <laughs> and you could do more than one. You could say, I have 10 of these. These 10 JPEGs or 10 sound files or 10 tweets or whatever are the official 10. And everything else is but a duplicate. They're just copies. They're not the real thing. And I think it's initially kind of it's, – it's, well, it's, it is kind of ludicrous on its face. But you think of it kind of from, a, from an art standpoint – uh, I always use the example of that, that I can't remember who the photographer is, but that's an epic picture of Muhammad Ali standing over Fraser in the ring. It's a black and white. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, it's just, and it's a wonderful photo from a lot of standpoints and like the golden rules just run rampant in it. It's a beautiful image. If you have a print of that and you have the original print, you can buy other prints of it that'll look exactly the same, but one print is the original print. Right. Think of it like that. Okay. And that print, just like an NFT, can be traded. It can be collected. You can buy it for one thing, flip it, and sell it for another, which is, has happened already. There's a secondary market for NFTs already. So if you take a digital image, and, and I don't know that it, it works so well in client situations. Like you're not going to shoot a wedding and say, hey, here's an NFT of your your bridal you know, shot or your you know, kissing at the altar uh, for a couple reasons, which we can talk about in a bit. But the, the the want to sell that piece would be that someone would collect it and then hopefully per, you know either flip it or make money on it or or just have it and hold it and say hey I own all these things so it has to be collectible and I'm lucky in that a lot of what I make is fine art kind of stuff and it's a little weirder and maybe not fit into that whole you know it's just a headshot it's a little uh -huh. more bizarre those things start to become collectibles like the body paint image. Uh, if I body paint somebody and I do one or two unique images from that set, I may decide to mint those. That's the process of making an NFT. Now, NFTs, the, the ones that sell the best and the ones that sell for the most are, tend to be animated in some way. Okay. Um, which, which, you know, a lot of the animations are, t t I'm going to say, just frankly terrible. Like you see somebody just add like some sort of a, a cycle of colors to different areas of the image. I'm like, okay, you get points for attempting it, but this does not make it worth you know, two or three thousand dollars to me, where the still photo is ninety-five percent of the effort, and it might be a great photo, but by adding that cycle of colors, I think in some cases they took a step backward. But that's you know my humble opinion in art. <laughs> you know, but that that's how an, that's what an NFT basically is: is you're buying and selling digital original things, not just photos, but could be anything digital. Yeah, and, and it's, it's fascinating to me, and I actually think it's a wonderful thing for our industry as a whole because i often think that a print is not it's it's not considered like you said the muhammad ali photo like you could get prints of it one-off prints and it's great and you can hang it on your wall and and people i think forget the value of you know owning the original of that or just copyright in general like i think it helps copyright it's one more piece of art that we're sharing that is an accepted it's it's becoming an accepted thing to buy something like this and um, adds more value to photography in general or illustration or a combination of the both 
which I think I think is great for our industry. And I'm I'm keeping a very close eye on how it's grown and the amount of money that's being made on it is absolutely <laughs> staggering mm-hmm. to me. Uh, some of these some of these artists who are selling this stuff, I don't really understand. But that's art in general and conceptual art in general. You know, you go to an art gallery, and I would see this all the time in Chelsea. Uh, where my studio was, they would have these art openings and, you know, they would have a latex glove on a stand and it was selling for 10 grand and people were lining up to buy it. Uh, <laughs> art is in, you know, the price is in, is in, is, in, is, you know, whether there's a buyer or not. And it's the same thing with NFTs. But let me ask you what is involved in, in, and I love that. I'm sorry, just to go back. I love that you say bless, like you decide you want to bless this image and make mm-hmm. it an NFT. What What is the process to make it an NFT, like you, to decide and, and is there a place that verifies NFTs or you register NFTs or can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so there's a, like Bitcoin, there's another currency called Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, there's actually, there's another one called Tezos as well. So there's there's a couple that are uh, ability to handle what's called a contract. And a okay. contract is is uh, kind of like a, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a signature, right, uh, right, of a thing. So say we have a we have a JPEG or a GIF or a picture, and we can take that and turn it into a, a digital token. Now, I'm going to greatly, uh, what do you call it, minimize the complexity here, so we're talking <laughs> about this. But imagine it kind of like a kid's block. And on one side, we're going to put the picture, which is not really true, but we're going to put the picture on one side, one side we put the person who made it. The other side we put the buyer. The other side we put. Um, and by the way, the, the amounts that go with each of those people, like I'm buying it, I'm selling it for something. He's buying it for something, uh, and then the person who actually encrypts that block uh, gets money. That's mining. So people mining bitcoins or mining Ethereum. All yeah. they're really doing is signing, and and doing what's called a proof of work to encrypt that block, and that then creates a chain that is unbreakable that shows who bought it and how much they bought it for. You have to get your piece of artwork onto that blockchain. So that process call is called minting. And there's okay. a couple places that do it. A lot of them like Foundation, uh, which is one that I use. There's uh, Super Rare. There's quite oh, a few. Right, there's one called OpenSea Open is, really, is a really big one. Uh, but OpenSea tends to be more like animated GIFs and things that, that I just – um, I shake my head at the amount of money they're moving for them, and once they are, but you know, again, it's like it's like art. You know, if there's a buyer, it's then it's worth something. Uh, it's it's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. But these these sites mint things for you, and so th- the this and this is where it gets uh, where it becomes a problem to say I'm just going to give a bride and a groom a picture of their their um, their alt- at the altar kiss as an NFT as part of like a my photography package, is that the process of minting costs money we have to pay the miner the person who's actually encrypting it some money and that's called gas so you're going to pay for gas and when you pay for gas the amount of gas can vary wildly now they're, they're working on fixing this but right now the price of gas can vary between can vary between 40 dollars an image to i've seen upwards of 700 dollars wow. just to mint the image now when someone buys it then there's another transaction, another contract that takes place. Uh, now the minting is a big contract, so there's a lot more work involved. But the process of buying the NFT still costs money; it still costs gas. It may not cost as much, 
But you know, for someone to pay seventy or eighty dollars simply to do the transaction, that's on top of whatever they're bidding. It gets to be a little pricey. So there's there's changes that have to happen. But that that price has become a big reason why you don't see people minting everything they can right. because it just costs so much money, and you have to be careful. You say, well. What's going to be the demand for this piece? You know, I see a lot of 3D artists. Like this, I mean, this is really catering to the 3D uh, art universe. And I do a lot of 3D work. In fact, I'm working on a huge product project right now okay. where I'm getting CAD files from product from a manufacturer, rendering out the photos because the products aren't here yet. They're still being manufactured, but they need the boxes printed. And those those types of products and things, that 3D universe really kind of speaks to that it's mm. easy to generate something so you see a lot of people making what would be considered very amateur pieces of 3d work and selling them or trying to sell them for outrageous prices so you see the the whole market is flooded with just like i guess any other art market is flooded with stuff that you're like well that's all that's terrible but then you look through there and you find these little gems they're like wow that is an amazing piece of work from an amateur but you know we get the same thing in the photography universe it doesn't mean you know you don't have to be the world's you don't have to be in the photography business for 10 or 15 years to create something amazing. I've seen people who have a camera in their hands for two months and make something I'm like astounded by. The same thing happens in the NFT universe. So you kind of got to sift through it to find what you want and then you buy it. I, and once you buy it, then you can, it's yours to sell. You know, you can turn around and flip it and do whatever you'd like to do just like you would anything else. And that sounds absolutely, and I've done a lot of reading and, and yeah, you, you explained this really well. Thank you. And, uh, I just been just as a, as a typical artist, like, you know, I'm bouncing around with this, like, how can I make money at this? Why, when can I start? When can I do it? And then, yeah, reading about the gases and, and minting it and all of that, uh, doesn't sound incredibly complicated, but it seems like a place where I could waste a lot of money before I figure out exactly how to do it the right way. Yes. Well, OpenSea, the one thing they do is they call lazy minting, which means uh -huh. they only mint it actually when it sells. And when someone oh, makes a bid on it, then it's bid on okay. for yeah. a number of hours or days, uh -huh. and then you'll pay it at the end. But okay. the nice thing about using one of the other places is uh, like Super Rare and Foundation, which is where I where I primarily am, they're invite only. So in order to be right. an artist on Foundation, you have to be invited. And okay. that kind of eliminates a lot of the, well... You know, I think I can make a lot of money at this, but I just learned a 3D application last week. And, you know, I'm just going to throw some things up there and put it out there for for five grand and see what happens. <laughs> you know, and then you get to sift through it. And so Open Seas has a lot of stuff. You're like, oh, I just I just want to find a neat piece of art and a lot of works involved. So that's why I like the other places. But uh, the other nice thing is that I'm choosing the time of day when I'm minting. I'm going to mint at like one or two in the morning where the price of gas is maybe 30 or 40 dollars. Where right around one or two p.m. Central Time, it may be seven or eight hundred dollars. So when Open Seas put it out there and they do lazy minting, they will mint whenever the auction's up, and that might be two in the afternoon. And suddenly there's this huge price somebody's got to pay to finalize the transaction. And whether that's you or the buyer, no one cares. Well, you obviously care. So it became it becomes this. I don't know, this game of who wants to pay the price for gas uh, at the time of the sale to finalize it. It uh, just, it's, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Fascinating, in there. <laughs> strange world we live in. And it's the same thing like I've discovered. I'm playing around with uh, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and all of that stuff. 
uh, jumping on that bandwagon and I made a little bit of money on Bitcoin and then I lost a lot of money <laughs> at the same time. So, uh, it, it, for me, it's, it's more enter, that stuff is more entertaining for me where I take a little bit of money and see what I can do with it. And, but, but the artwork, you know, obviously we, we take that a little bit more seriously, which is the next thing that I want to talk to you about. And, you know, we, we had discussed a project that you're working on. And again, as artists kind of bouncing around trying to grasp at anything, what is the next thing that we're going to do? What is the next thing we're going to dig into? And I often find with many artists, what's, what, what makes photographers and creative people such wonderful people to be around is their willingness to jump into something new, to grab at new technology and try something new. That's, that's the great part about creative people. But also as photographers, especially when we're just getting started, we're willing to shoot anything, get into anything, do anything. Sometimes we forget about the responsibility that we have as photographers and what we're doing and the moments that we're capturing. And I think sometimes we, as, 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 as business people, want to jump into and grab things. And uh, it's kind of a long segue into, you know, what, I, what you want to talk about, what I want to talk to you about. But, you know, sometimes we, we take on projects that we shouldn't and we forget about the people that are on the other side of the camera. So recently um, you had the opportunity to shoot something and, and I, want, I want you to talk about that and, and I want to lead with um, uh, actually you get you get started first so you, you tell me tell me about <laughs> it sorry okay well um, so it's it's more to deal with that we don't really think about ethics as a photographer mm -hmm. uh, where we have you know we, we're 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 taken by somebody and we're trusted not only they're giving us money say you're gonna pay a session fee and you're expected to produce you know a, a decent headshot or something like that but if you don't, then maybe they say, well, I don't like any of these pictures. I'm just going to walk away. The session fee was what it was, and I'm going to call it as a loss and go to somebody who's better. But there are certain situations where you're only going to do it once in your life. And a wedding would be a really great example. Right. You have people who, who say, I'm looking for a wedding photographer, and I'm going to pay you know, $500 for a wedding photographer, which right. is a horrible decision. You know, When the <laughs> bachelor party costs more than the wedding, you know you're doing it wrong. Right. The but, but the photographer who takes that job has the responsibility to shoot it as if right. it's the only time, only because time. it is right. the only time they can do that. Now, if you miss the kiss, let's just say you miss the kiss at the altar. Later on, you can say, hey, I want you two to kiss again, and you take the picture. No one's going to know, and they probably won't even remember or know, right. that you took that picture twice. And maybe you missed the first one to get us, you know, the bride needs to tilt her head differently. And the groom was all face in the first one. So you do it again and you, you mm -hmm. get it right. But I see things online where we'll say, hey, I just just closed a wedding client. What camera should I buy? <laughs> and I see that post more often than than I should. Yeah. Uh, and I know uh, some people will even uh, go to uh sites like Unsplash or Pexels and download wedding photos, create a portfolio, and then go out and try and sell themselves as wedding photographers. Right, and I'm yeah. like, well, that is absolutely horrible. Yeah. But I had a, a situation recently where I had um, a double mastectomy uh, patient. So she's going to go in for uh, a cancer treatment, uh, breast removal, and she's going to be doing it the next day. 
and uh, there was a a bunch of people online saying, you know, they didn't really know what her situation was, but they knew she needed a boudoir session. It's the only one she's ever had in her life, and she needs it tomorrow because the next day after that, she's going in for a medical treatment. And that's pretty much all they said. But the number of people who said, I want to do that was astounding, which I mean, that's, that's great. I guess, you know, everyone's like, Hey, me, 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 I want to make some money. Right. But it was very clear that it was a boudoir shoot. And it's very clear that this is the only time she can do it. And it's her first one. So there's a lot of things about that that should trip people up. Boudoir shoots. If you, if you're not used to shooting them, um, I mean, as a male shooting boudoir, there's sure. additional things you got to be careful, like right. you know, hair and makeup stays, and you don't touch the models or the clients. And mm-hmm. and I shoot probably forty percent of my business is boudoir. And you know, same with body painting, you have certain rules and things that you, you follow to maintain that it's you're making art, you're not doing anything else. And so many people stepped up to say, "I'll shoot that," but they shoot. <laughs> I don't know what it is. They shoot trains like at intersections. <laughs> in broad daylight. And they're like, no, no, I, I like naked women. I, I want to take the, this woman's <laughs> picture. And, you know, think about the fact, what if you screw this up? Yes. You know, this woman's going to leave, get her breasts removed, and right. then look at her pictures and go, well, which one do I cry harder about? The, the only time I did a boudoir session and the proof I have for it is blurry, underexposed, lit like, you know, just, you know, a nightmare in, in yeah. every way, shape or overly smooth skin, whatever you could do to screw it up. Let's just throw that in there. The amount of psychological damage I think is, is huge. And yeah. as a photographer, you should know when to say no. Like I have people who approach me and say, would you shoot a wedding with me? Will you shoot a wedding? I'll say, you know, I will shoot a wedding, but I will shoot it as a second shooter. I'll right. be happy to light the bride and groom, pull them out of the dance, you know, put them on some sort of epic thing, take one or two pictures. And then the pace of the wedding, the rhythm of the wedding, I get some of that, but I know that I don't know enough to shoot a wedding on my own. And I think too many of us are saying, well, you know, it's $500. I'll just go ahead and take that money. What about the people on the other side? Like you'd said, you know, what are they going to do 10 years down the road? They're going to look at the the pictures and go, well, huh, that was a poor decision. Right. You know, I, I just think that's uh, – in her case, it, it made me even more aware of it because all these people were willing to just – risk her one time because they thought they would do it. And there, by the way, there was no mention of price. So they would have even done it for free at this point. They're like, oh, no, no, it sounds fine. I'm just going to do that. I'll just try it. You don't try it when the woman's getting her breasts removed the next day. Now, in, in case people are wondering, it turned out amazingly well. Like her pictures were way beyond her expectations. And she was beautiful. And she had a natural posing ability. I, I've taken my wife to the studio a few times, and you don't really have to tell her to do anything. She just gets it. And I'm like, well, I love people that can do that. And I got really lucky that this woman was able to to just pose like naturally. She was so good, uh, and she loves her pictures. And I'm really happy with how that turned out. But, I mean, emotionally charged because she knows the next day she's going under the knife significantly. So to keep her spirits happy is another part of boudoir. It's it's not so much this. I mean, it is the pictures. But it's also the experience, you know, the yeah. experience you give them. Are they happy? Are they having right. a good time? You know, and then when she comes in for her her reveal for her photos and so in a few months when she comes back, now I had to do a lot of this online, obviously, because she's in recovery. But, you know, getting her photo book done and all that stuff, I, I can't wait to see her open that book. She's going to be so happy. Uh, so I just think the whole ethics of knowing when to say no is 
is critical. I mean, if you're shooting someone's hamburger at a bar and, you know, you're not being paid that well, but you want to try product photography, go for it. You know, no harm, no foul. Do it for bar tab. I mean, th- right. that's fine. But if it's a once in a lifetime thing and you don't know that you can do it, get a friend to shoot it with you. I mean, it, I could have seen people tag teaming with another boudoir photographer to try and take on a project like this. But yeah, that kind of got me, I got me a little excited at the, at that point. I was a little angry that, that people would not, wouldn't say no. And that, uh, that bothered me. And you know, that's one of the things that is great about photographers in general is the hustle, right? They love to hustle and, 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 and find the work and they're entrepreneurs, right? But it's, it's so often and, and, we have this problem in our industry so many times to realize the importance of these one-off moments that cannot be, cannot be done again. And especially in her case, and you know, my wife um, battled breast cancer and, and can totally understand um, the emotional toll that something like that takes, like the immense responsibility of something like that. uh, Sometimes many new photographers in our industry don't, think about and 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 eventually you know we all make mistakes as photographers but we try and minimize those mistakes at the cost of our clients especially when it comes to weddings or a boudoir session like the one you described and you do learn you know when shooting weddings (laughs) i can't tell you after 15 years how many times i would say to that bride and groom at the end of the wedding ceremony i missed the kiss we got to go back i'm sorry but and they would moan and groan, and then ten years later they would thank me when they post that picture of them kissing at the mm-hmm. altar, uh, absolutely. Because it does ruin the moment. It is absolutely terrible at that moment. But ten years later, they're very happy to have that picture and having the responsibility to know that you've got to stand up and do it right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes those lessons are learned the hard way. When you don't do it, and then that client is really pissed that they don't have that picture later on. Mm-hmm. So you learn you learn those lessons, and th- those are things that you learn over time. But you know, if you are a newer photographer listening to this, one of the great things about our community is there are so many people that, and that was great advice that you offered before. Like, I want to do that boudoir session, but. I'm going to make sure that I have the help there that I need it. And I'm going to take that session, but I'm going to make sure I have Scott there to help me with it so that I can make sure that that experience is done right. Or I want to go shoot weddings. I mean, I second shot weddings for probably three or four years before I took on a wedding on my own. And I I, I could not recommend that highly for, for anyone else. So thank you for sharing that story. And, and I'm sure... That's a very lucky client that got you to 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 shoot that session. For well, her. she's she's even going to allow me to. You know, normally boudoir. It's one of those things that you know you don't get to ever show the client you, right. pictures. You, know, you can't right. ever post them. She's actually decided to backtrack on that part of her contract and release them publicly. So that's amazing. Once this is all said and done, she's got her, her pre shoot, and then um, I've actually talked her into doing. I'd say talked her into, but I've convinced her this is a really great opportunity for her to kind of help awareness because uh-huh. first of all she's a beautiful woman she's just stunning they say here's a woman who's gone through this so she could be a model in her own right uh-huh. to say here's what her reconstruction looks like this is her story this is this is you know all the phases of her reconstruction and at the end we'll probably end up doing another boudoir shoot and maybe a body paint so i have another 
a mastectomy client um, who's actually a C-level uh, individual at a very large so Fortune 500 company who flew in. We did a body paint before her mastectomy, and she's got about another, I think I see her in September for her second body paint. This is post-mastectomy. Uh, but, you know, no one will ever see those photos, but their the body paint, like we've got this huge thing planned. It's going to be so epic. I love that we can take, you know, something that was so psychological dam- psychologically damaging and kind of move it into this, you know, let's let's turn it into a piece of art and try and, you know, do what we can with it. I mean, it's a horrible it. situation, but you have to do what you can, right? And it's, it, you know, uh, experiencing it via my wife, it, it's it's a breast cancer is a terrible disease and it is a very very emotional experience you know uh, i i'm sorry <laughs> lost for words i get a little choked up good for her i'm going to pray for her and and i'm i'm you know this, it's great that she's you know owning it in her own way and and you know, trying to heal. It's, it's, it's a long road and, um, good for those people. And, and I'm glad that she found you to, 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 to do it with. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, anything to bring awareness to, to that disease is, is, is a good thing. I mean, cancer sucks all the way around. Doesn't matter what kind of cancer it is, but breast That's cancer true. especially is one of those things that is, is terrible for a woman. And, uh, is is a it can be a very long journey so anyway um we're gonna wrap up here because uh, i like to keep these around 30 minutes where the world is opening up again so it's great that you're shooting in the studio again mm-hmm. we're getting back to mm-hmm. normal i'm using air quotes and it's it's wonderful to see everyone getting busy again uh do you have any where where can i see you speak in person in the future is there anything coming up in person or Obviously, we yeah. have your YouTube channel, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I got yeah, I got the YouTube channel, so I'm live at least once a week on there. Um, trying to do a little bit more often. Um, I'm going to be at Shutterfest, obviously. Uh, oh, so cool. that's coming up. Yep. So Shutterfest, then uh, Oklahoma. After that, Oklahoma PPA, and then my friend Gary Box and I. I'm going to be, I'm going to be down there with him. And we've got about a week between Oklahoma and then we're both speaking at the Ozarks PPA. Oh, you are. Uh, and that's only yeah, it's only a couple drive, a couple hours drive from him. Yeah. So. I'm going to stay with him, and then we're probably going to end up doing a body paint seminar there because he's starting to learn how to body paint too, and okay. he's done a phenomenal job and and uh, created some great art. So we thought, hey, let's. I, I'll actually the last couple of times I've been down there, I've actually taken uh, models with me and I've painted them, and then people come and shot them. Uh, so this time we're both going to paint people, All and right uh, maybe even show the process of painting. So that might be something different. But yeah, in Ozarks, and then after that I've got Oregon. Uh, so heading out, heading out uh, way out west there. Yeah. Never been there before. And then uh, at uh, Sync, I'll be speaking at that in oh, cool. uh, February. So uh, on copyright. Oh, neat. Neat. All yeah. right. So uh, I'm going to have to get some of those links from you and we'll put them in the show notes. And uh, definitely sounds like you got a busy year coming up, which is awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Yes. It's, and it's really great. nice to be back out there. Yeah, I mean, it's getting stir crazy. <laughs> yeah. For those of us who travel to a lot of shows every year like yourself, the last year has been a big, just been big, big challenge. It so, was a big change. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so if you've never seen Scott speak, you definitely should get the Shutterfest or the Ozarks or Sync. 
these are all shows that uh, you you want to support. And if you haven't been to any of these shows, you not, definitely need to check them out. There's nothing like, listen, the YouTube channel is amazing. Uh, I think is the perfect way to round off education, but seeing things in person being done in, you know, by hand and having the opportunity to do things hands on uh, will help your career and get better as an artist 100%. And um, for, for your investment for your YouTube channel, it's, it's well worth it. So you guys got to check that out as well. So anyway, Scott, thank you for being on this week's episode of something new every week. No, oh, it was an honor to be here. It's a, a anytime I I am working on random projects at any any one moment. So you never really know what's what's coming across my desk. But it'll it'll always be something that I think that I'm confident that I can actually produce. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'll be shooting it with someone else until I get the hang of it. Oh, we, were, we were talking about earlier. I just wanted to kind of uh, follow up on that. Uh, for all you boudoir wannabe shooters out there, especially females have a boudoir session with a photographer who knows what they're doing because not only can you show those Mm. pictures to clients uh, to say i've gone through this but it will help you understand what the client needs emotionally now as a guy i'm not going to do a doudoir session so (laughs) that would be a topic for another one (laughs) no one wants that (laughs) i mean at some point the doudoir session has to has to become mainstream but we'll we'll see maybe maybe not anyway all right scott Thank you so much for being on this week's episode. We will catch you guys next week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me. I'm not hard to find. If you have questions for Scott, he is also not hard to find. Till then, we will catch you on, we'll catch you next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks again for tuning into something new every week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do enjoy these episodes, I love it. If you hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to this. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab. Millerslab.com. Great company. If you're not familiar with them, you should go check them out. Thanks again for tuning into something new every week. We will see you back here next week.